Welcome to the Victory Life Church podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at blcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. Bibles, the first Kings chapter two, as we wrap up the life of King David. Hard to wrap up a life in. Can you imagine someone wrapping up your life in six messages? I, mean, I know some of you haven't done anything and probably get wrapped up in one hour, but some of you, you know, have a history. David certainly had a history, and we want to talk about a heart devoted to God, a heart devoted to God, and. We, this kind of sums up David's life, and we're going to talk about it. First Kings chapter 2, beginning in verse 10. Then David rested with his ancestors and was buried in the city of David. He had reigned for 40 years, seven years in Hebron, and 30 years or 33 years in Jerusalem. So Solomon sat on the throne of his father David. And his rule was firmly established. And may you add your blessings, Jesus, to the reading of your word this morning. I'm trying to think of, here's a heart devoted to God. Last week we talked about a royal, literally a royal mess up when he committed adultery with Bathsheba. And then on top of that, tried to cover up his sin. Have you ever tried to cover up your sin? And you made a greater mess of it. And then he had her husband killed. And he thought everything was hunky-dory, like some of us have thought when we have failed God. And then the prophet comes and points out quite a long time after he committed these atrocities and points out through a parable that you have sinned against God. That's kind of where we left off. And you're think, thinking to yourself like me, how in the world could a man do those things and God say about this man that he had a heart devoted to him? And I want to say to you this morning, as we look at King David, that he did have a heart devoted to God in spite of what he did because the two bookends are he started out great with God did a lot of great things and bad things and ended with a, a, a heart devoted to God. And we're going to discover this morning that you can literally, royally mess up all you want and you can be forgiven. Some of you are scratching your heads and saying, Preacher, now are you saying it's okay for me to go sin? Yeah, go ahead. Look at the price David's household paid because of his freelancing with sin. Is that the price you want to pay? Go ahead. I don't think that's the price you want to pay, but what I do want to happen is God to use me this morning in this message to bring you hope so you quit sitting on the sidelines because you have failed God. We're going to find out this morning that you and David have a heart devoted to God. But then he was lured away from God through temptation. But then God restored his heart to himself. And that's what he promises he'll do with every born-again believer. Father, advance your kingdom through this message this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. A missionary C.T. Studd said, Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. I'm here today using the life of David saying it's possible to have a heart devoted to God no matter what you've done. For all of us, including David, will be judged by our works and rewarded for them, not for our wrongdoing. Christ took 
care of that on the cross. Amen? Hallelujah. He took care of all your rebellion on the cross. He covered it with his blood. He said he'll remember it no more against you. But Satan has you sidelined right now, and you're not even effective for his kingdom. And God wants to bring you hope this morning that he can restore you because all of us have been lured away from God through temptation. Is that true? Is that true? Amen? All of us. Well, let's look, first of all, at a heart that was devoted to God. How do you know your heart was devoted to God? How, how do you know right now? Is, is my heart really devoted to God? It reminded me of, of this little teeny commercial 20-second clip about how you can know if you are hearts devoted to God or not in this case though. We pull people off the street and ask them about their hearts. How's your heart? Uh, well, you know. My heart's pretty good. You sure? Yes, I think so. How do you know? If you're driving a car, you have the check engine light, but yeah. the heart doesn't have a hey, check heart sign. I want to show you something. Put both fingers right on those pads. There you go. In 30 seconds, we're going to have a medical-grade EKG reading. There it, there it is. is. That is you. Look at that. With CardioMobile, the FDA-cleared personal EKG device, you can take a... That's what I was reminded of when I thought, hey, the check engine light. Do you have a check engine light to see if your heart's devoted to God? We're going to have a check engine light using the life of David to see if your heart's devoted to God. By the way, my two brothers who are ex-firemen after 30-something years said that, that commercial is a bunch of, uh, I don't know, you fill in the blank. Because it's really only taking a pulse. It's not giving you an EKG. Oh, sorry, doctors out there. I don't know. Anyways, here's how you can check your heart. What kind, of, what kind of heart you think you have this morning? You think you have a heart devoted to God? I would say you probably do. You probably do. So here's the first thing. In order to have a heart devoted to God... You have to be owned by God. So David was a believer in Yahweh. You cannot have a heart devoted to God unless you know his son. Now, Yahweh is Yeshua, and Yeshua is Yahweh. I don't know how to figure that all out, but that's what he said. So David was a believer. How do we know that? In 1 Samuel 17, we're reminded of something that Samuel told us. He said to Samuel, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. He's talking to Saul, of course, when he's about to kill the Goliath. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, the, both the lion and the bear that he killed, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Well, Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. The key thing is, he's saying, since he was a young man tending the sheep, he had a relationship with Yahweh. We'll discover that over the course of this message. David was owned by God. Let me ask you a question this morning. Does he own you? You know, you know how to go out and purchase something so that you own it. A lot of those homes you think you're living in, you really don't own it. The banks own them. Those cars you're driving around, you really don't own it. The dealership owns it. And that money you have in your pocket, the government thinks they own it. But does God really, truly own you? By the way, it reminds me of these children that came up here this morning. It is vitally, vitally important that you expose your children to Jesus Christ before the age of 14. I don't know what we have up here. Do we have the pie graph? If we don't have the pie graph, do we have it? No, we don't have the pie graph. So what I'll tell you is a pie. Imagine a pie up here. And a big chunk of this pie right here you can't eat. A big chunk of this pie says, listen, between the age of 4 and 14, is when 85% of the professors in Jesus Christ will take place. Between the ages of 4 and 14, that's when most of humanity will make a decision for the Lord Jesus Christ. How important is our children's ministry? 
How important is our youth ministry, starting with those middle schoolers, to pour into them? Some don't get the gospel at all. Some we come alongside and assist the families in presenting the gospel. Now, guess what? Between the ages of 15 and 30, there is a 10% chance that you'll turn your life over to Jesus Christ and let him purchase you and own you. 10%. After the age of 30 to 80, do you know what the chances are that you'll receive Christ as your Lord and Savior? 4%. I want to have a message to the church. Why in God's name do we spend all our money going after the people with big bucks? to sit in our pews, to fill up the offering when those little boys and girls are who we should be going after and those little middle schoolers. That's where we should be spending a chunk of our resources. Not only that, that's where some of us should be volunteering. We should be making a beeline over to Nechi who has to sit in there week after week until she finds enough volunteers to help take care of our children. And that's where some of you mom and daddies need to be in the home raising your children because it's God ordained that you give him back a godly offspring, not for them to become the greatest athletes in the world, the greatest pianists in the world, and the greatest artist in the world. That's okay as long as you don't get the car before the horse. I'm not saying we can't do all those things. I remember when my children played ball, and all of my children were good in sports. But then they, they wanted them to play weekend ball. I'm not going to say anything against weekend ball. I'm not picking on people. I, you know that I'm not doing that. But what I did do is put my trust in God. I said, God, if you want my child to be a baseball player, most of them never go out to play, become baseball players, you'll take that talent that we give you in three days, and you'll make them better than those people that play ball seven days. How's that for faith in God? Hey, they never came ball players, so. <laughs> but my faith was still in God. Do you see how important it is? Well, David's heart belonged to God at a young age. He, you, you cannot have a heart devoted to God unless he owns you. You must love Jesus. 1 John 2, 23 and 1 John 2, 24. Who is a liar. It is he who denies that Jesus is the Messiah. We have a whole world out there that denies that Jesus Christ is Lord of lords and the only way to the Father. But don't ever back down from that truth in the public and in here. It's easy to sing it in here. But can you holler it out there? I know when the barber was cutting my neck, he, he's a Muslim. I'm saying Jesus is the only way. Please, Jesus, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. I was. I was sharing Christ with them. I said, no, Jesus is the only way. He's the only one that came out of the grave. He's the only one that has the power to save. The only way Jesus, God owns you is if Jesus is your Savior. That's what the Scripture replies in 23. He said, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. That's why Jesus is in this temple and Jesus is in this house. It will change the way you even think as you're sitting there if you realize that truth, what was just spoken. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. Those words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. So the first indicator, that engine light, that you have a heart devoted to God is that he purchased you with his blood. Has he purchased you? You're looking in online. Has he literally purchased you? There was a time when you did not belong to God, and I did not belong. The world purchased me. The world had you and me. Now I belong to God. Now you belong to God. Second way of finding out if your heart is devoted to God, how's your thirst? How's your thirst? David thirsted 
for God. You know, it's easy on a Sunday morning, the thirst for God. It is. You're around believers. I love being around believers. I love being in the men's Bible study on in, in Sunday morning. Listen, I'll take time out from my time of prayer and my time of uh, studying. I'm getting ready to come up here. And I get in these, this men's room over there, and they confuse me before I get back up here. <laughs> and they're sometimes preaching the sermon that I'm supposed to preach. But I love being around godly men. I thirst for God. Do you? That's a good indicator that your heart belongs to God. Well, what does that thirst look like from King David's point of view? Well, in Psalms 42, he reminds us of his thirst, and we've sung about this a lot. I, I, a lot of times in my office, I have my TV going with the scenery of the world and, and the animals of the world, and I was watching the deer. As the deer pants for streams of water, I was watching them dip into the water and drink. So my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? Do you really thirst for God, or is it a put on? Where do you find yourself? What do you find yourself thinking about? What do you spend your time doing? What do you spend your money on? Is a good indication of what you thirst for. David knew that he loved God. And we know that by reading many of the Psalms, just one in particular, Psalms 26.8. We're looking at all the mighty things that David did on the front end. Remember, out of the 73 psalms that he wrote, 63 were written before he ever took the throne. There was work done after he failed, but not as much as he did in the beginning. One of the psalms is recorded, said, Lord, I love the house where you live. The place where your glory dwells. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. You will know if you have a heart devoted to God when it is your goal to please him. I'm telling you, when I stand up here on Sunday mornings, I'm walking around in my office, God, I want to please you. I want to please you. You should be sitting there not thinking about what you're going to do this afternoon, but God, I want to please you. Help me think. What are you trying to tell me? How do you want to change my life? What are you revealing about yourself to me through the life of David? But God wants you to please him. I, I love pleasing my spouse. Do you love pleasing your spouse? I love pleasing my children. Do you love pleasing your children? Do you love pleasing God? Is that your goal in life, to please God? Then you'll know you have a heart totally devoted to him. 2 Corinthians 5, 9 reminds us of this. So, so is, is where that idea can be found. So we made it our goal, Paul is saying, to please him. Is that really truly your goal, to please him? He said, whether we're at home or in the body or away from it, for we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done in the body, whether good or bad. Father, I want to do some more things that please you. I want to keep stacking up those rewards, not so we can walk around with bragging rights. How many rewards do you have? How many rewards do I have? That's not what it's about. It's about having something to bring to my Father and lay at his feet. Do you have anything to lay at his feet? Are you thirsting for him? It's a good indicator if your heart is devoted to God. You know something else? Not only did David knew that he belonged to Yahweh, do you? He thirsted for God. Do you really thirst for him or do you thirst for the world? And the things in the world. But he was told by God 
that he was loved by God. Wouldn't you like to, for once in your life, to wake up in the morning and your spouse say, I love you, honey? You wake up and tell your kids, I love you. Sometimes you, oh, honey, I love you. Real quick. And, what, did, what, did you, what did you mutter? We love to hear that we're loved. You know, many of you know the rough life that I had in the beginning. I never felt loved growing up. I wasn't loved by anybody. You think I'm telling a lie, but there's nobody that liked me. I didn't like myself until Jesus loved me. You don't know how much I appreciate when my children tell me, and know they mean it, that I, I love you. My precious daughter, I love you. And my grandkids love me. And I don't have to cower back and go, oh, I didn't do anything to deserve. It's, it's so wonderful. But more than ever, I crave to hear God say, I love you, son. I love you, and I am pleased with you. Do you crave that? Do you know that God told David that in a roundabout way? Because he heard about it when God communicated that to Samuel, who then anointed him to become king over Israel, and it is recorded in the New Testament. Let me read that for you. David heard that God knew, or that, that David knew that God loved him. He said, but now your kingdom will not endure. He's talking to King Saul. God stripped away the king, kingdom and was giving it to David. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. Hmm. There's a heart devoted to God and appointed him ruler of all his people because you have not commit, uh, kept the commands of the Lord. Then Acts 13.22 reminds us that even the apostles heard about this. Down through the corridors of history, this story continued and continued even to this day. How much God loved David. In Acts 13, 22, after removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. And remember what we read previously? God loves those who obey him. So God told him that he loved him. Has he told you lately that he loves you? Do you know that in John 14, 21, he kind of tells us again? He said, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I, too, will love them and show myself to them. Thank you, Jesus, for telling us you love us individually and collectively. Oh, we know David had a heart for God. God said so. So, how, how's your heart? Does God own you? Do you belong to him? Do you thirst for him? And has he communicated to you? that he loves you, and showed himself to you. Oh, I could tell you many stories, and many of you could come up here and tell me stories of how much God has loved you and how he has showed you or showed you that he loves you by this verse that says, and I will show myself to them. He does that through dreams, through visions. That's rare. He mostly shows up through his activity, through your life. And you see him because he's all around you. The sad part about his story, David's heart was lured away from God. That didn't mean it wasn't devoted God. But the enemy tries to lure us away for seconds, for minutes, for hours, for days, and sometimes years. But you will come back. But I need to talk about this part for a moment or two. David's heart was lured away from God. So the scripture talks about how he started, the atrocities in the middle, and how he ended. How did his heart get lured away? Jacob touched on this last week when he talked about 
the idleness. He lured through idleness. Here's what it said, and he read this last week. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Jacob out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. This is where it all began. Idleness. We all know the Bible says an idle mind is a devil's workshop. Idleness can manifest itself in picking up the phone and getting into a conversation that you shouldn't get into. Destroying someone's character. Have you ever had your character destroyed? If you haven't lived for Jesus, then no. But if you're living for Jesus, someone's going to try to tear you down and destroy your character. How about shopping all the time on Amazon and running up a credit card bill? An idle mind with idle time. How, become, how about becoming a couch potato? Searching aimlessly on the social platforms. Flipping through the TV late at night. An idle mind. I remember, and I, I've told this story before, I was in my bedroom flipping through the channel late at night, about 12, while my wife was sleeping, watching the old MTV, nothing wrong with MTV, right? And I saw the show, Girls Gone Wild. And I'm going, I'm going wild if I keep watching this. I kicked that TV out. I hit the biggest punt. It probably went 50 yards. And that TV never landed back in my bedroom again. Because I knew I couldn't have a relationship with God and a relationship with my wife and watch those things on the television. That's what happens when you get idle, when you get bored, when you have nothing else to do. Spending money on frivolous things, only later to find yourself in debt up to your eyeballs. Reading sports all the time. I remember I'd come in and temptation was devotion or the sport page? Devotion or the sport page? You ever gone through that? How many honestly say I've gone through that before, right? I like sports. Okay, but some people can be totally devoted to that. It has their heart. An idle mind can take you away. Love stories. Ah, girls, you don't get away with that. Books and movies, love stories. And you don't read God's word. There, there are plenty more that I could talk about. There are many ways to be idle. But this was the opening David gave Satan into his life. And he began to lure him away through idleness. Then he lured him through temptation. This is what Satan is always up to. You see, he wants you and me to worship him and not God. He wants to rebel against God. Now, you can be lured away by plenty of things. Like David, we always talk about this, but there's many more ways to being lured away by a beautiful woman or a handsome man. And he does do that. But man and woman can be lured away by power. Lust, money, ego. I see that big word ego on television all the time. You see, temptation knows no gender, race, or color. The enemy seeks to deceive, to destroy, and to discourage. Why are we lured away? We get lazy spiritually for living for him, giving to him, walking with him, striving to learn more about him, worshiping him, meditating on him. That's when we're tempted. We get our eyes off of God and on the flesh, and it gives the devil a foothold into our lives. Then he lures us away from a heart devoted to God. You see, Satan, and this is true, has a sin especially crafted for you because he knows your weakness and my weakness. And he's on the prowl trying to lure us away from God. How many are being lured right now? Listen, there are times I've been in here and I, I could sense the enemy trying to lure me away in many ways. Is he luring you right now because you're idle? Because you get lazy spiritually? Because you get bored? How many shop because they get bored? How many look because they get bored? You see, 
What happens is this in James 1.15. Then after the desire has conceived, it brings or it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. You see, sin leaves disaster in its path. It's like a tornado ripping through a town, wreaking havoc on everything it touches. So does sin. Here's how it touched the family of God. Yes, again, David had a heart that was devoted to him. Yes, you can have a heart that's devoted to God if he purchased you. Yes, you can be lured away through temptation. Yes, you can be forgiven of that temptation. But I want to clearly spell out the cost. Let me examine it very quickly. David was lured past the point of no return. Let me explain this. We know you've heard this. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. Keep you longer than you want to stay. And cost you more than you want to pay. How many of us have experienced that? I won't ask you to raise your hand. Hmm. It cost David a lot. Right after he committed adultery with Bathsheba, tried to cover it up and had her husband killed, he thought he escaped the consequences of the sin. Only to have the prophet Nathan come into his house and say this. That favor that was on your household. Now, I'm paraphrasing in my own words. That favor that was upon you, Father. But then you were lured away. That, That favor that was upon you and your family. But, honey, you moved in the opposite direction of God. It's not on you. That favor was taken away from David's family. What happened after that? His first son with Bathsheba was died because it was prophesied that he would die. Then his next son, who was heir to the throne, was full of lust and deceit. And he ended up falling in love with his half-sister, Tamar. He was so obsessed with her like some of us are obsessed with other things and can be obsessed with the body. He wanted to have her at all costs, and so he schemed and connived to get her into his room to have sex with her. She didn't want to. Long story short, he ended up raping her. Then he hated her as much as he liked her. Then Absalom, also who could have ascended to the throne, is furious because Amon raped Ammon's half-sister, his sister. Absalom is furious. He begins the plot. He hates. He's full of murder. And he devises a scheme to get Ammon out from the palace. And he has him killed. Then, no favor upon the house. Then, Absalom tries to steal away the affection of the people from his daddy and tries to take over the throne only to be caught up in the tree during war and have David's commander kill him with darts and he dies. David is ripped to shreds. I know my wife has shared with me that when her children are hurting, she hurts She believes it even causes her sickness and it hurts her health. How many mommies can relate to that? How many daddies can relate to that? You young teenager grieving your parents because of your conduct and how you live. You're causing your parents illnesses and sicknesses because they love you so much. David was distraught. It wasn't the end. Favor still did not leave his home. He has favor with God, David does. His heart's devoted to God. But it was lured away for a season. That can happen to you and me. But are you willing to pay the price? The story's not over. He has another son that's going to take over the throne. And this son 
rebels against his daddy too. This son, Adonijah, he decided that he's going to take over the throne. When his daddy was old, he had another girl sleeping in the bed with him, was not intimate with her, and he decides this is the time I'm going to take over the throne. And he actually convinces David's commander and one of his priests to go along with him to take over the throne. Well, David did not live to see this. Solomon takes over the throne. He tries to go to bed with one of David's wives or concubines, which meant that he deserved the throne if Adonijah went to bed with her. Solomon sees the plot to take over the throne, and he dies. He's killed. Do you see, parents, adults, what God is trying to say to you and me through the life of King David? Each one of us can be lured away like King David, a man after God's own heart. Yes, 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 you'll be forgiven. Yes, it's under the blood. But do you want to pay that price? Are you willing to pay that cost? I would be absolutely devastated. I've said, God, please take my life before I do something like that. Some of you will get to heaven and you'll probably look at David. David, David. But David's going to turn right back around and look at you. Mike, Sue, Bob, Paul. No one can point a finger at David, right? Because all of you have been lured away, and all of you have fallen to sin. All have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned, and the best you and me can do is filthy rags. What's your story? But I came here to bring you hope as we wind up. David's heart was restored by God. And that's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, not only for the sinner who has never met Jesus, but for the saint who was lured away from God. I know that I'm talking to people here that have been lured away from God. Marriages are on the rock. Relationships are on the rock. Bitterness, unforgiveness is right there on the threshold. The enemy is trying to separate you for good, and your children are going to pay the price because you've been lured away from God, and you're giving into it. And it's going to wreak havoc in your families and your children and your grandchildren. And there'll be no more favor upon your household. Even though your heart belongs to him, you'll not be able to sing. Oh, your favor is on me and my family and my household. Don't let the enemy of God rob you of that blessing. But, but, if you're here today and that happened to you, there's good news. You can be restored. You don't know what God will do in your family after you've been restored. David's heart was restored by God. He paid a big price that none of us would want to pay. But I know his heart was restored. The Psalms reveal it all over the place, but especially Psalms 51. Only a couple verses from this particular psalm. Have mercy on me, oh God. How many times have we fallen on our knees and said, God, have mercy on me. According to your unfailing love, not like my temporal love that I give to my spouse or my children or my boss or my neighbors or Christian believers. That's not permanent, God. It all is conditional. God's love is not conditional. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. That's how you can be restored right now today. If you are being lured by temptation away from God, today you can be restored. He continues in Samuel. Reminding us that he was restored. Then David said to Nathaniel, I have sinned against the Lord. You see, that's what we need to do. Admit 
our failures, that we've been lured away by the enemy and confess your sin to God and to your spouse or to your children or children to your parents. Admit your sin. Nathan replied. Oh, what beautiful words. The Lord has taken away your sin. You're not going to die. Because his heart was devoted to God, but he was lured away away from God, but he came back to God. He escaped hell, by the way. I'll bet you if someone in here committed that sin, we would get a lot of self-righteous people judging that person that did what David did. But don't watch what they did. Watch what they're going to do. Give that person time to repent. As a pastor, God has taught me this over and over again. Sometimes my wife always says, you always see the best in people. That comes from God. First of all, I look in the mirror and I see my failures. And I always see myself coming back to God. I don't want to give you a chance. Because God gives you a chance to turn back to him. And if you're really a true believer, you will confess your sin. Take the punishment on the chin and begin having a heart totally devoted to God. But he did escape hell. You know, sometimes we commit an atrocity and go, there's no way I'm going to heaven. Pastor, you don't know what I did. Well, look what David did. Look what Moses did. Look at the characters in the Bible, what they did. God is speaking to you and me through them. I'm bigger than your problem. I'm bigger than your sin. I will heal you. I will let you escape hell no matter what you've done. I I just told you, sin has a consequence. I'm not preaching go ahead and sin. If you want to do it and you want to go ahead and dibble dabble in sin, go ahead. He said, I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart, Psalms 86, and I will glorify thy name forevermore. For great is thy mercy toward me, and thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. What have you done compared to David, if you're at least looking on the rector scale of sin? He'll forgive you. He will forgive you. That's the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now he said this, Psalms 51, created me a pure heart. Oh, clean it out, Lord. Squirt it out. Chisel it away. Cleanse me, oh God. Renew a steadfast spirit in me so I won't wander. Don't cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And that happened. For you and me today in Hebrews 3.15, as has just been said today, if you hear his voice, And do not harden your heart right now. Sit down there. And you can't wait to get out of here. You're hardening your heart. I'm not paying any attention. I don't want to hear it. Say, but today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Over and over, Scripture says, today is the day of salvation for you. Don't let the enemy come and take the seed that is being sown in our lives today and rob you of the blessing of what God wants to bring you in your life today. I know David was restored not only by what I told you, but the plans by David revealed a restored heart. Remember, he's the one that wanted to build a temple that lasted a thousand years so that God's name would be made known all over this planet for 1,000 years. He did something good after his rebellion against God. He didn't get to build the temple. But he laid out the blueprints and he got all the supplies ready because God said, you cannot build it. There's too much blood on your hands, but your son will build it. So I can see the restored heart and the purpose of God in David's life was restored. As seen in his fatherhood to Solomon. For all of David's failure to discipline his sons. Too many parents do not discipline their kids. Spare the rod, spoil the child. Do not listen to the government or to the world. Listen to God, who has your heart anyhow. 
He was still a man after God's own heart. You can be a man. This, this is the message I really want you to hear today. I believe that God wants you to hear. I have your heart. I own you. You are a person after my own heart. Just repent. Just repent and you receive my love and forgiveness. Well, he turned around. He did teach Solomon. We know that from Proverbs. It says in Proverbs 4, 3 through 5. For I too was a son of my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me and he said to me, take hold of my words with all your heart. Teach my commandments and you will live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or turn away from them. Remember, David was still alive while he raised Solomon and he poured into Solomon what he should have done with his other kids that he didn't do. You see, a father should teach their children from their early age. Don't spend time away from home so much as spend time at home with your children. Get them out of the house. Play ball with them. Take them places because that's when they're going to watch you and imitate you and embrace you. All my children made a profession of faith. All of them, I believe, before the age of eight years old. They must come to me like little children. Four percent chance of you coming to Christ after the age of 30. But the good news is you're in the house. You're probably one of the four percenters. You've hit the lotto. You're here. You're here today. If you're here today, that means you hit the spiritual lotto. He's calling your number. And he wants you to repent or make him your father and Lord and Savior for the first time ever. You have that chance. Don't blow it. When the time drew near for David to die, he gave charge to Solomon, his son. I'm about to go to the way of the earth, he said, as we wrap all David's life up. Be strong and act like a man, not like a woman. You ever watch the commercials on television? All the men look like women, and all the women look like men. Be strong and act like a man and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to them and keep his decrees and commandments, his laws, regulations, as written in the law of Moses. Do this that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go, and that the Lord may keep his promise to me. If your descendants watch how they live, and if they walk faithfully before me with all their heart and soul, you will never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. By the way, Solomon did walk with the Lord, did just like his father David. There's the bookends. He lived for God, loved God, wrote Proverbs, then tested everything in the world, was lured away. But then in the end, he wrote Ecclesiastes and Songs of Song. But look at the tragedy in the middle of that and look at the tragedy after that. So if you think I as a preacher am saying you can get away with sin, I'm not saying that at all. But what I do want God to use me this morning to tell you is he'll restore you. He'll restore you. He'll heal you. He'll forgive you. He loves you. He owns you. And he wants you to come back. I'll end with this. You see, God never intended to make David our ultimate example. His failures showed the need for a perfect king and a perfect father. God's promise, or God promised that this king would be from David's line. After all he did? Yes, after all he did. Do you see God, not David, in all this? After all he did, he still promised that through his genealogy from David's line and would rule in righteousness, reflecting the perfect loving rule of his heavenly father. The true son of David, Yeshua HaMashiach, redeemed David's fatherhood and all fatherhood and through his atoning death and resurrection, he alone leads us to the one true Father in heaven.
Now in the new covenant, Christian fathers are able to reflect God's fatherhood and Christ's kingly rule towards their own children. Where's your heart? Who owns your heart? I pray that God is speaking to you because I know this church loves God, but I do believe and know that many of us have been lured away from temptation. Don't think of the big five. Think of all the other sins. Please, this morning, would you stand at this time? I'm trusting God. No hype, no begging, no pleading. And by the way, when you come down here, you know, last week when Jacob preached and he said Bathsheba committed adultery and had her husband killed, that was the first one up here. Uh-oh, does everybody think I did something? No, don't think that way. I'm coming up to pray. I'm praying for you. I ain't done those things to you. You probably did. No, I'm just teasing. I'm praying for myself in the church. We pray. This is a place of prayer, too. But you can come up. Make the decision today. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, make this today. It may be too late. Once you walk out this door, 4% goes to what? It drops dramatically. If you're listening online, if you reject today's message and you put off the decision, that percentage drops greatly. Father, I pray that you have been pleased with the message that has been delivered. I pray that you will water and fertilize the seeds that have been sown, that you draw people back to yourself, that you'll cause people to repent of their sins and enjoy once again the joy of their salvation. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you come as God's name? Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way, everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.